Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today we've got Rachel and Robin on, who are the co-founders of a social media app called Step. Hi guys. Hi. Hey. How are we both? Yeah, very good. How are you? Yeah, good. I was just saying it's been a bit of a long week already and it's just Wednesday, so um, be happy to get to the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I feel like it's always this time of year as well. The days really do just drag on and you feel like you're working into the evening because it's dark so early. Yes, so true. Um, Guys, should we start off with talking about your your careers independently before we get to you founding step? So, Rachel, do you want to give us an idea of, of your career so far? Yeah, sure. So I started my career off in fashion licensing so um, it was specifically for apparel. So we, I worked with the Disney, Universal, Sony's of the world, um, and I licensed their IP um, okay. for, and I specifically looked after band t-shirts. So working with them to, you know, um, take maybe a three-year license out for a band, and then we produce for high street um, companies, you know, like Primark, Topshop, who wanted uh, licensed goods. Uh, and then after that, I went into brand management. So I worked for a joint venture with a creative artist agency, CAA and Global Brands Group. Um, yeah, in the brand management side. And actually, there's quite a lot of synergies with my job there and Step because we worked with a lot of influencers and celebrities, um, connecting them with brands. And, you know, we have our culture curators on the platform. So, yeah. Cool. And then, then, then step after that. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you go into that? Did you have an interest in that kind of branding world and, and licensing? And, and why did you go into it? Um, yeah, just kind of fell into the licensing side. Um, but yeah, I was very interested in the brand management side of things. Um, I studied anthropology and visual practice. Um, so I guess there's a bit of synergies of, you know, humans and then and the anthropology side and then visual practice um being you know the brand brand side and I'm also you know um we both uh, Robin and I really care about brand equity um and so yeah it was very interesting and creative agency artist agency is and you know huge company and so it was quite special working with them and then also global brands group um, and they had a great roster of brands yeah sounds really cool and uh Robin what was sort of your story up until step yeah, I think it's like kind of funny when, when you're asked this question, because like, does anyone ever really choose what they end up in, like other than maybe having interests, unless like you are taking a vocational degree to be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. I feel like the paths are very winding, aren't they? And like where you end up is really not anywhere near where you started a lot of the time. So I actually was at in university in Canada studying to be a lawyer well I did my undergrad in political science and Spanish because they make you do major minors over there Um, and then that was supposed to lead to a law degree back in the UK a conversion degree but basically I was working in a retail store in Canada while I was at university and um, it's kind of like a really big uh, big company out there it's something like Zara meets Topshop but like a little bit cooler it's called Aritzia mm-hmm. um, and they basically poached me straight out of university and I didn't really want to leave Canada and I wasn't ready to go and take a serious law degree so they poached me into their marketing department to be uh, in retail marketing which 
I didn't choose. I didn't know anything about retail marketing. I just stumbled across it, that job and landed um, landed in, in that role. Um, and I stuck that out for about a year and realized quite quickly I hated everything to do with <laughs> physical logistics and and shipping and packaging and anything that had like physical delays and like the sh- I mean I, I honestly I think I cried in the um the packing room about like uh 15 times in that one year just because mm-hmm. you know the logistics around like the stores needing bags on time and then suddenly the post is delayed and like it all falls on me that people don't have shopping bags I mean end of the world right <laughs> uh <laughs> people can't, people don't have their beautiful bags to show off their consumerism um so I realized quite quickly that was not the space I was going to flourish in but I really loved marketing and I decided quite quickly I didn't want to go into law um so I moved back to London working for an NGO in ocean conservation which I helped start with some friends in New York called Oceanic Global and I launched their digital which was really cool they're really big now actually they um just started working as the official partner with the United Nations for World Oceans Day. Wow. So, yeah, so I was part of the founding team there and, yeah, launched there. Everything digital, basically, which was amazing. And I I funded that because we weren't really paying ourselves. I funded that through the money that I'd made selling my soul working for a big corporate. Um, mm. And, yeah, and then realized that I needed to support myself in London and, and working for a startup with, no income was not going to fly so I went and just took a job working in a um, digital marketing and PR agency a small one in London ended up realizing I hated basically working for anybody else (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm pretty sure quite a lot of founders have that story as well Mm. and then started my own digital marketing consultancy working with small to mid-sized startups with a friend of mine and I did that for three years until Rachel and I came up with the idea for step which I guess is maybe a segue to another story yeah I mean it leads us nicely in I don't mind who who answers or, or whether you both answer together but how did you come up with step what is step and 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 how did it all come about yeah I think Robin and I we both had the exact same pain point that there wasn't a platform in the market that was easy to share save and find recommendations So I personally had a list for every city that I've been to, um, divided up by different categories. And, you know, I would send it to my friends, then they would have to put it into Google Maps. And then they would also have to do their own research because, you know, they might not like that bar that I was into in Berlin. Um, So, yeah, it was a massive pain point for both Robin and I. Robin was using uh, Google Pins. And uh, so, yeah, we, we... we're sitting at Soho House over a drink and then Step was born. Very cool. So how long has it been going and, and how did you actually decide to take the leap, leap to do it? Because that's that's a big step. Shall I jump in here, Ray? Yeah, go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess what's, what's probably quite relevant to this podcast and what I think is nice to talk about is that it's really difficult to start a business and it's really difficult to keep going and the businesses that you see that are successful are because people have gone through a lot of like painful moments and one of that one of those moments was for us actually like deciding to do it so we spent about three months from that moment of having this like aha we've got something great like there's a space in the market to actually doing the due diligence of like market research 
figuring out who the other players were in the space already, why they weren't going to solve this this problem in the way that we wanted them to, really speaking to our friends, our target audience, as to like what they didn't like about these other propositions, whether they'd even heard of them. Um, and then we came up with a business proposal and Rachel had actually already left her job at that point and was doing um, a lot of like business training and um, young entrepreneur courses and stuff like that. Um, but I was still working and I knew that I couldn't leave and I didn't want to leave my business to start a new one until we actually had the funding we needed to get it going. So we pitched for like eight months to get the pre-seed because it was two girls with no experience in tech uh, with a with a vision and literally a deck asking for half a million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. Um, and we I think we were just about to give up and be like, okay, well, obviously no one, no one's gonna give us the money because it was so much of this conversation. We love you, we love the vision, but like you know, come back when you have a product and we're like, yeah, but like, how are we going to have a product if we don't have the money and everyone's saying the same thing? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess, Ray, maybe you can you can speak to the the end of that story, the good part of that story, and then kind of like a timeline up to where we are now. Yeah, so uh, we were in Hong Kong. So yeah, backstory. Robin and I both grew up in Hong Kong. Uh, Robin went to university in Canada and I lived in Canada. Wow. Now we're both here. So we, so we have all these same touch points. So at this point when we're pitching, I was in Hong Kong and I had pitched to a very good family friend of mine who was very well connected in the startup tech space and just an all around amazing entrepreneur himself. And he gave another angel the confidence to back us which was amazing so that was kind of our first leg up um uh, we then come back to London and it took us a while actually to find our tech team you know um hiring tech talent in London is difficult probably one of the second biggest hurdles that we've gone through uh we then landed on a contracted agency called Maquito who are amazing based in Poland uh, and they've been with us all the way through actually and took about six seven months to then be in a position to start beta testing and then coronavirus hit <laughs> so we were uh travel so that's a big that's a big like penny drop and yeah. then coronavirus <laughs> yeah. hits and this yeah. story got about two times longer <laughs> <laughs> so we're a travel app about to launch and you know we're on our socials we're launching in two weeks there's huge hype around it oh, um wow. yeah so so we we had to put out a post and you know tell all of our followers our waiting list hey guys we're not going to actually launch until yeah psych like psych oh. we're just joking we're not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we also... and also you don't know it yet but your whole life is about to change yeah, yeah and there was years. zero timeline right at that point you're like Oh, we're we can't even tell you when we're postponing till. <laughs> no, but I think what was funny is that like I was really optimistic. Like I was convinced that it was going to be like two months. So I was, I I went through like a like a wave of like depression. It was like the beginning. I'm like, oh, but it will be like two months. Yeah. I think this is quite a lot of people over COVID, and then it got to like five months and Rachel's like I think we should think about like also like picking up other work in the meantime like you know we don't have mm. you don't have money to pay ourselves like all this stuff you know we don't know how long and and that was super depressing that was like you know we didn't even know if the world was going to be the same post 
post-pandemic and it isn't but you know it felt so unknown and it kind of felt like is our product even viable anymore and and then and then yeah I guess you know it ended up being a blessing in disguise and we started feeling like I don't know Ray I started feeling like at least luckily towards the end of uh the pandemic or the end of like uh you know that first year that hey this is actually what what we're meant to be doing right now we're meant to be speaking to our users we're meant to be delivering a product that's not just about travel but is also about community and local exploration and and we were just so fortunate to not have launched pre-covid and a lot of like people in similar spaces even a couple of competitors they were just absolutely dead in the water yeah, I think it was super exciting for us, you know, actually to come out the other end because there couldn't be a better time to launch a travel app now. You know, you know, obviously we're looking at it a bit further in the future than, you know, a general consumer would be. But revenge travel is coming, you know. Yeah, Everyone, that pent-up desire, right? Yeah. To get out and see the world, yeah. Exactly. Everyone wants to travel and you know, there, there's now been a shift, obviously, through COVID online. So this hybrid living, you know, using the digital world to explore the real world. So Step really has found its spot. Mm. No, I mean, it sounds wicked. It sounds like it's such a cool idea as well. Uh, we were just talk, talking before the podcast um, that we, you know, we couldn't think of anything that does this, does does what you guys no, are doing. Yeah. It's, it's such a gap in the market like when now that we're fundraising again for our seed round and we're we're speaking to vcs and and institutional institute like we're looking for institutional money for the first time like it's funny how like you really like feel you believe you're unique in this space and that there's nothing else out there and none of our friends have heard anything in that space doing that thing and, and it is true like all of that is true but obviously for people in the industry and once you're doing it and you're like digging at all like you know you're like fine combing to find anyone then there are there are people out there so I think that's also been difficult being told like actually us feeling very special and unique and then being told by a bunch of you know business people that like you know they're not interested and you're not unique so I think that's our our, our next uphill battle is like you know, keeping the morale and like just powering forward, you know, because mm. it's just another hill, but it's fine. We've we've climbed hills before. So I feel like that's quite tough right now. Yeah, it's funny to back to the hill analogy. Once you climb the hill, you're then like, oh, I could do that again. And I, I feel like that is building a business. There's constantly these hills. And the reason you keep going forward is because they feel small once you've climbed them. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's great analogy. Yeah. Well, slash also you just can't get back. Yeah. <laughs> there is no way back. There is only one way forward. We need to find a way. For you guys, um, obviously being not uh working in the tech world, but having to create a team to create your your product, how how challenging was that? You obviously said you you had some challenges and eventually found a team, but. I suppose these days, so many things are going into a digital tech space, but not everyone's got those skills. Um, what, what sort of things did you do to help uh, familiarize yourself with that that world and and uh, understand what was actually going on? I feel like you just have to take a really passionate interest. I tried to teach myself how to code, which, as Rachel will tell you, was a complete failure, but also it <laughs> meant that I had to like understand like what you could code like 
you know, in on an iOS versus, you know, on an Android, like the different types of languages and like tech is just like its own world. If you imagine like the globe, like there are so many different languages and you can never speak them all. Um, so I think that was just a really crazy learning. Like when we, we first went into the discovery process with our team in Poland around like, or what we were going to develop and in what language. And I was like, what do you mean in what language? Like, this is crazy. Um, and like the way that you structured those development sprints and like manage a tech team, like it was just so much learning. But I really believe that like anyone is capable of moving into a different sector and thriving if they're really interested. Because like when it's your own business and you're so excited about making it work, you're going to spend that all night, you know, learning how to create a cap table or as Rachel will tell you, it's not one of her favorite things to do, but also she's, you know, she's nailed that one. Um, and, you know, me learning about tech languages and how to manage product development and pipelines and stuff like that. And you have to do all of it at the beginning when you're the founders, right? It was just Rachel and I, but now what's amazing is we, we've been able to start hiring incredible talent who can step in and do it job that's 10 times better than you've ever done um that's that's actually a really good uh point there when you are hiring what are you guys looking for you know as founders and you know this product is is your baby you know what are you looking for in people when you're hiring whether that be skill sets personality traits what are some things that really stand out for you guys yeah so we um i so just a bit of backstory in terms of our hiring process. We hired um, our CPO and she just started in January. Uh, we actually did the uh, job listing in the summer. So it, it took a long, long time. But we really, at this level, because we're hiring pretty senior, we were hiring someone who's passionate about what they do, but also an expert. Because as Robin said, we've been learning everything on the job and we're doing an okay job of doing that but we're not experts at everything, right? We know what we're good at. So if we can fill the room with an expert in every field, uh, I think then, then we got a perfect team. Yeah, I think you always want to have find good babysitters, don't you? You know, if you're going to hand over your child to someone, you want to know that they're in really good hands, um, especially when there's so much to do that even like our hiring of senior senior people is like obviously one by one right now. And as Rachel said, it takes so long. So like now we have a CPO who's managing product, which means thank God that portion of what was on my plate is now off my plate. And I honestly, from the day she started, I just felt a massive sense of relief. And also I completely trusted her mm. just to run with it and, and do a great job. And because we know the quality of like professional that she is and that she's really passionate about vision. Again, this is separate from Rachel's point. I think you want to find people with a startup at least, which is obviously all I can speak to um, that are really passionate about where you're going and being part of that because it's messy. You never wear one hat and you know, it's going to be a struggle and it's not going to be, you know, smooth sailing all the time. So to make sure you have people that are really ready to like, you know, weather the storms with you and, 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 you know, celebrate the wins and, and be there for the journey. Cause it is a journey. It's not a nine to five job, you know, it's, mm. it's a lifestyle. A startup is a lifestyle. And that's why lots of startup, that's why lots of, um, uh, startup, uh, 
like people that have worked in startups like say that they could never go anywhere else because they like miss the dynamic energy and the intimacy and the community um that that really is uh it, it kind of comes alive in a startup because you you so quickly feel like a family mm. you don't really have to build a culture in the way that big companies do because you're so intimately connected at like a start when you're in that startup phase mm. that it feels very yeah I would say it feels very uh intimate and like you really are a family I think you guys brought up a really good point uh, and we haven't really talked about it surprisingly enough on the podcast and it's about expertise so being a founder you know you guys have talked about it well you know you have to dip your you know your toes into loads and loads of different parts of the business but when you're hiring as founders you want to bring someone in who is an expert a certain part right so for anyone listening and thinking of going into a tech career or or whatever whether it be social media whatever is it right in saying that you know if you focus down and really become an expert in whatever it be even if it's a tiny tiny part of the tech world that's what you guys value yeah i would agree with that i think what we're finding is, you know, because there's such a small team, as we mentioned before, they do have to wear that hat. They have to be a go-getter. And we don't have the time to manage that next employee. So if they're not an expert and they don't know how to manage themselves or manage the team that will be below them, then, you know, then, then they're not going to do a good job. And, what, and Patsy is so incredible. And she, from the moment she started, hit the ground running and you know, she just took, she took control and that's what we need. I think there's, I think there's a nuance though. I think that startups have two things of value to people. I think in, in larger companies, I, I disagree. I don't think you need to be an expert. And I think a lot of mid-sized companies are actually looking for generalists, that they wear multiple mm -hmm. hats. Like they're a PR person, but they're also digital marketing. They also have experience in events. So, you know, those are the kind of people that a lot of companies want for that like big chunk of mid-level jobs where you're getting good salary, you know, it's, it's good positions and you, you have room to move up into senior. So I wouldn't say that people need to be specialists. I think that when startups are hiring senior people, they need to be specialists. But also I think that when startups start going through an interesting stage of growth, like, you know, just before that, what from that, like, let's just say from that seed to series A, where they have enough money to not just be hiring senior people, but actually needing uh, needing kind of other people in the in the in the boat as well to do you know less less senior positions or roles or whatever um that that is a really incredible opportunity to jump in and then like just take the opportunity to grow with the company and then specialize as the company grows and then move up quite quickly in an exciting environment that also will definitely like jump you up the ladder once you get out the other side like I mean I just look at like the people that are taking um very senior or like really exciting roles in bigger companies and if you look at their track record a lot of them are coming as having ridden the wave with a with an exciting and um successful startup and they may be mm -hmm. joined as an intern or you know a social media assistant or whatever it is and as that company's grown and they've grown with it, they've then been promoted within the company. And then within three years, they're stepping out as someone, quote unquote, senior. But it's very horrible and desirable to any other business. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Also, you know, just in, to Robin's point about the larger companies, there's a lot of room to jump in in, you know, a marketing role, potentially a product role and not necessarily have been expert in that previously. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. 
That is a good point. Um, and, and we like to talk about this as well, guys. Um, we talk about university versus experience and i'd like to get your opinions on it um you know what do you value more or do you value one over the other so i didn't finish university so i'm experienced (laughs) i was never i love learning don't get me wrong but i always found learning on the job way more valuable so i i was at a crossroads when i was going to change degrees and then just decided, oh, well, there's a job opportunity. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and take the take it and roll with it. And I learned more in that year than I did in, I'd say, all of my education. But that's just me, you know. My younger sister, she is an academic, and I, I would hand, would say that she would disagree with my point. So I think it's it's very much down to the person. And when you guys are, you know, going forward, you're going to be doing more hiring. What is maybe a personality trait that you think somebody needs to have in a startup? Uh, You know, you said people wear a lot of different hats, but what's something where, you know, you might be better off working in a startup? I would say a go-getter, especially um, at a smaller size. You know, when you're when you're only five people, everyone needs to needs to be able to get stuck in and help grow the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like re- resilient because I think that there are just going to inevitably be hurdles, and you aren't going to get the same structure and management um, and like security as you are in any sort of like bigger company. You know, there are so many unknowns, like one day that it's going to have to be all hands on X putting out that fire or Y. And like, it doesn't matter if you came in and your role was to post on social. Now suddenly we need you here and you just need to be ready to like flex in, roll up your sleeves and like get involved. And for you, uh, for for the pair of you over your journey, um, creating this company, what would be some of like the biggest, biggest like, oh shit moments we're actually doing this we're actually like really getting somewhere um maybe what's just memorable over the time you've been doing it uh we got up of the day in july so two months after launching for me wow. that was amazing that's cool yeah our our phones were blowing up and you know there's so many downloads we didn't even know why we were on there it was really cool yeah that was that was a crazy moment and then I think just launching it like it was so weird I really have no way of explaining it other than it felt like giving birth because you were so (laughs) focused you was we were so focused on like nurturing the the MVP and like bringing it to life and then like when we launched it I remember like this like it was almost like postpartum like trauma like because then the next day this the app is like the notifications are like coming in there are issues with the tech stack like all this stuff and so we had a moment of like excitement and like relief of launching it and then I suddenly realized oh my god now it's live like we have this thing that we have to take care of 24 seven. And I just did not, I was like not prepared for it. I was like a parent that like hadn't realized that they have a child for the rest of their life. And then <laughs> I like, honestly, for, I had a full blown meltdown. I think the end of the first week, just being like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to manage this. Like I was so prepared, just focused on building that the, the product and getting it live. And it's like, we kind of looked at each other and like, now what do we do? <laughs> um, <laughs> real, oh shit moment. 
<laughs> that was like an oh shit moment in like a very funny way of like this is so incredible but like no one can prepare you for this and and I think tech is quite different like that especially social tech because it's we're not building a business where like you start slow and you start like making money and then you pump more money in and then you start making more money it like when you build something that like your initial route is not focused on monetization but building an incredible product that people are going to use like it's so hard to to like stay on top of the emotions around that right like Mm. the number of downloads you get every day like certain things like that because you know we all know how to quantify success based on money but when you start businesses where you're not quantifying the success of the business on money it's a lot harder and it's a it's a lot more important to say like yeah stay super focused on the vision and, and and belief in what you're doing and the importance of it it's like your literal conviction in the importance of your product versus like we've got loads of money in our bank account right now yeah on a very small scale we can understand that obviously growing your growing your podcast you look at your downloads every day and, and it, yeah it's not monetized yet so it's um yeah we understand what you're talking about on a very small scale <laughs> no i mean it's exactly the same it's it's like a, yeah it's it's a useful and important and creative endeavor that like people enjoy and it's it's funny that like we benchmark the success or importance or like value of that on money it's just mm. obviously that's a bit depressing but it is the reality <laughs> that's kind of what we're getting from vcs now as well that's what's that's what's funny is like we're kind of having to fight that battle while also staying really true to how we feel about what we're building and the importance of what we're building sure so what does the next year look like for step what what are you guys doing well funnily enough right before this call i just posted another um job on linkedin so we are hiring our senior ios developer next uh we're in the middle of a fundraise as well which is exciting but also scary but more exciting (laughs) So once we get the money and we close on our fundraise, we will hire uh, after the senior iOS, we senior backend, a partnerships uh, manager, and then we want to scale our user base. So everything will be put to the tech mostly. Um, some money will be put behind marketing, obviously, because that's our main driver of user acquisition right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just growing the product. Take us to Series A. <laughs> <laughs> Be the number one app worldwide. <laughs> Global domination. <laughs> no, I mean, actually completely counter to that. I think what's nice, and I, I was kind of like saying this to you on a pitch to a VC today, is that I think that like, and I think this is true with your podcast. I think this is going back to this consumerism and like volume thing. Like obviously volume's amazing and really important, but I think that, people are now being so much more conscious about the value of what they're consuming, whether that's a podcast uh, and or a social platform. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're reaching uh, a really engaged, like specific audience where you're adding like really amazing value, not diluted value, like on other platforms like Instagram, whatever, then you have a very strong, strong standing and you can find interesting and unique ways to monetize so that you can support that. And I think it doesn't need to be this, oh, we're a social platform, therefore we need to have millions and millions of followers to be successful. I think we're past that. And I really believe that we're seeing the death of mainstream social media as it previously existed. 
I don't know if you guys feel that, but like I'm so deeply uninterested. Well, definitely not interested in Facebook. I don't even have an account anymore. And yeah. Instagram yeah, I, is so boring. Yeah, there's like a mass exodus of these massive social media platforms. I have to say, I do agree. I mean, the content I consume on Facebook um, seems to be video content. You know, I'm not interested in somebody's status anymore or whatever. It's all just sort of video content from online publishers um, and Instagram. Yeah, I, it does get a bit boring, doesn't it? You know, it's all very much the same. And uh, yeah, no, I think you guys, you guys are, you guys are onto something, definitely. Um, thank you both so much for your time. Um, uh, thank you for sharing your story, and um, wish you both the best of luck with Step. And thank you too. Thank you uh, so much. We're really excited about the podcast you guys are doing. I think it's oh. so nice to have a space where people can hear about like, yeah, how, how you get from one career to another and, and stuff like that, because people always tell you you have to take a set path. And I, I just definitely don't believe that to be the case. Yeah. No, thank you. That's, um, we really appreciate that. Um, where can people find you? Find Step and uh, everything that you guys are up to. So our socials are Step Your World and our website is too. You can download uh, the app on the App Store. We are currently only on iOS. So stay tuned for Android. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Have a lovely Thank evening. You.